Hey, listen up. Yeah, we here and we locked in. Let's keep it going all the way to the top ten. We feel the turtle, so it's no other option. Fred and Ryan, just watch them. Let's take it to the max. It's the shell and tell. They come with all the facts. It's the shell and tell. Let's take it to the max. It's the shell and tell. They come with all the facts. It's the shell and tell. What's up, everybody? Fred and Ryan, episode 17 of the Shell and Tell podcast. It's March 1st, 2020. Ryan, it's uh, it's been a roller coaster of emotions over the last two weeks, man. Some highs and some lows. Absolutely. The Terps split two games in 14 days against MSU. Kind of like a mini series of games there. Yeah. And uh, we'll get into that a little bit. Daryl Morsell, though. Hits probably his biggest shot of his Maryland career so far up in Minnesota. And I get to shed some light on an interesting story involving a Michigan hoop star that I believe most even severe sports fans have missed out on. Yeah, it seems to be kind of getting swept under the rug a little bit, so we'll talk a little bit about that. And then we're going to check in with some former Terps at the NFL Combine. Uh, some okay 40-yard times and some not okay 40-yard times. We're going to need some NFL execs to be looking at game tape. That's right. Uh, but, yeah, man, so we got to talk about this Michigan State series first and foremost. Uh, I'll give dueling, you credit. Dueling college game days. I'll give you credit, man. You were right. You had the uh, the call on the hard split correct. So kudos to you on getting that right, damn it, Ryan. I was very excited to get the first game right. Not so excited to get the second game right. Yeah. Damn you for getting that one right. <laughs> Terps now 23-6, and 13-5 in the Big Ten. They have a one-game lead still over Michigan State in the Big Ten. Uh, but Illinois and Wisconsin sitting at one-and-a-half back, nipping at her heels. Yeah, and by the end of this recording, they could all be one back because they both play today and not that scary of matchups going on there. Yeah. We got two games left to play, though. So we control our own destiny. I hate that word, but we control our own destiny uh, in the sense that as long as we win these last two games, which we'll talk about a little bit later as well, then we will be Big Big Ten Regular champs. champs. That's right. Uh, but, man, look, I'll tell you what. If the Terps keep running into these sharpshooting teams like this, like they have over the last couple of games. It's going to be really difficult to win these last two. It'll be very, very difficult. I mean, look. I'll, I'll be honest with you, though. Going up against Ohio State, going up against Minnesota, and two games against Michigan State, the way that these teams shot the ball, I'm actually okay splitting that two and two. Yeah, I mean, we obviously wanted to do better than that because we felt really comfortable with our our lead in the Big Ten, and now I don't feel so comfortable. Right. So apparently we thought we were going to do better than this. Um, but it with how they played and also with – this Michigan State game, I can't take anything away from. They beat us. There was no complaints on my side with the refs. We ran into some horrible officiating at Ohio State and at Minnesota, and um, I, we we are lucky to be two and two in those games. Yeah. All right. So let's talk a little bit about last night's game, a uh, game that did not go very well for the Terps. The Terps never led in this game. Um, I know you were kind of holding hope even down to like three minutes left in this game saying, I still have a feeling we're going to pull this off. I still have a feeling. I don't know if that was the alcohol talking or if that was you being sensible or just being accustomed to how this Terps team has played all year. 
I mean, it wasn't it wasn't that I was expecting it, but I was not writing it off yet. Like I wasn't gonna walk out of the stadium. I mean, Cowan scored twelve points in three minutes at in East Lansing, so I was just hoping he was gonna do it in College Park. Right. <laughs> well, before we talk too much about the game, we got to talk a little bit about College Game Day because this was the first time College Game Day had been at College Park or University of Maryland for basketball in 15 years yeah the first time uh 15 years ago was the very first year of uh, of college game day on television so it wasn't quite the theatrics and craziness that it is now it's a really big deal so this was really kind of like their first time yeah it was it was a cool experience you and i both went down there for it uh something that neither one of us had experienced before nor had really un- like a, a good grasp on what to expect with it um, you know, I kind of went down there with the expectation that it would be a raucous crowd. It would just be a whole lot of cheering for an hour or two straight, like like we had talked about, you know, being like one of the biggest games of the year, or one of the biggest games of the season. It would just be a straight raucous crowd, but it really wasn't that at all. Yeah, and they kind of hype it up to that when you get there early and like uh, Coach Turgeon out there, I need you guys to give your all for the next hour, this, that, and the other. So I'm like getting hyped. I'm like, yeah, this can be like uh, – a competitive football game we're standing the whole time screaming the whole time whatever uh but it was nothing like that you, there was lulls and there was excitement back and forth the whole time a lot more sitting quietly than i would have thought made it yeah. kind of a backdrop i feel like it wasn't just us that felt that way it was the entire fan base that like nobody really knew when to cheer when not to cheer i was kind of i kind of expected there to be sound coaches you know like crowd coaches down on the court giving signals like the old you know studio audience signal the applause now no applause that kind of thing I figured there'd be coaches down there but there wasn't I mean you kind of had to really pay attention because they they had the actual broadcast of game day up on the jumbotron you had to pay attention to it you had to get your cues from there as to what they were talking about and if you were too loud you just couldn't hear it yeah, so once you got started cheering about something, you had to quiet back down because you didn't know what they were talking about right. again. Um, but it, on TV, it looked great, and there it was a lot of fun. We don't want to put it down. Yeah, like no, it was, no, it was a hell had, of a fun. A hell we had a time. great turnout. Thank yeah. you, students, for turning up and showing out. That was really cool. Uh, thank you, the school, for making it free for the public yeah. and like easy to park there for free, everything to encourage more attendance. We parked literally right out back, walked in, did our thing, and walked out. It was great. Yeah. Um, so, and we made a guest appearance on ESPN. Oh yeah, absolutely. Fred was the <laughs> center stage. I th- it was they were announcing uh, his entrance when Scott Van Pelt was there. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that was pretty cool. I didn't even realize Scott Van Pelt was literally standing shoulder to shoulder to me. All I saw was my big head on the video monitor right in front of me, and you weren't looking at the video monitor, so I nudge you on the shoulder like, hey, we're on TV. Then you hit me back. I'm like, what the hell you hit me for? Uh, well, Scott Van Pelt's standing right to your left. Right next to you, yeah. So <laughs> when you, if you see the, seen the replay on our Twitter or through College Game Day sites, everything, it literally starts with just a frame with Fred and the person on the other end of the aisle, and then Scott Van Pelt enters in between them. Yeah. And then, and then it pans out to me and then the rest of the crowd. Um, so it was very cool that we ended up picking those seats because it was just completely at random. We got there, and you know that was where we decided to, to post up. Yeah, we got to be a part of our first flag drop, yeah. uh, which was an experience in itself. The way that they bring the flag out and just kind of drop it on your feet, and then you and I... <laughs> being some bigger guys you know i'm six four almost 300 pounds i know you're like six three and 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 close to it too <laughs> we're big guys 
And it took everything we had to hang on to the corner of that damn flag. Yeah, it was pretty impressive. I don't once once it got all the way extended at first, you're just like, "What's going on? It's taking forever for this to get like the slack to come out." And you expect it to be a lot faster. And then when it's all the way up and everybody's pulling and hitting, you're really pulling on that yeah. thing. It was kind of impressive. I've been under flag drops before, but I've never been in that position. Certainly. So so the flag on our side had Ryan and I anchoring one end and had a uh, certain Terps football player on the other end, yeah. Ellis McKenney, yeah, we anchoring the other side. Yeah, we were playing left tackle for Ellis. It was pretty cool. <laughs> um, now, so we, uh, Ellis, Ellis was great. Uh, I went over just said hi to him, uh, you know, gave him a card for the show. Yeah. I mean, he's checking us out. Um, I just want to give it credit. Like, he was um, very genuine, very warm, shook my hand, you know, thanked me for talking to him, thanked me for being a season ticket holder. Um and just really seemed like a genuine good guy. And, uh, you know, we don't talk politics on the show. I can already hear Fred's butthole puckering over yeah. there. Um, but he has a future in politics. Definitely I don't know. Does. I don't really need to know what his views are to know that he's a good, genuine guy. Therefore, he'll get my vote no matter what his views are when it comes to that time. Yeah. So a college game day as a whole, good experience. Wasn't quite what I expected it, but now that I know what to expect, I think I'll be able to enjoy it even more the next time it does come around. Hopefully it does come back around. ESPN hyped it up as a very good experience for them. And again, the crowd showed up. The whole cell phone light show that we put on, they kind of taught us how to do and all that. It was kind of fun. I thought it was kind of cool. It was pretty It looked really, it really great. cool on TV when you saw it played back. So that, yeah. that was a lot of fun. Uh, but look, the game itself... Did not turn out so fun for the Terps. Uh, as we said, Terps never led in this game. And when Michigan State shoots 43% from three, it's going to be a tough night for the Terps. Absolutely. And we uh, we did a good thing on the ABC plan, anything but cash us up in East Lansing. But we oh, did man. not succeed on that plan uh, coming back home. 20 points, 50% shooting, including five of six from three, which included a 75-foot three at the end of the first half that touched nothing but the bottom of the net and he was smiling when it left his fingertips he knew he made that 65 feet from the basket right it was really impressive to watch that slow motion replay to see that response from him yeah another guy that uh we got to see at college game day uh dapped up scott van pelt showed some love to scott van pelt was anthony cowan anthony cowan kind of uh went into his shell in this game oh for three for three uh, only 13 points on the night, and I think the most frustrating thing with me in this game for him was I like when he's aggressive. I've said that since day one. I like when he attacks the rim, and we saw that in this game, but it, it was almost as if he was attacking the, attacking the rim, trying to get contact, trying to draw fouls, which I get, but when their fouls weren't there, he's just throwing up these ridiculous circus shots that have absolutely no chance to go in. Uh, and he did it multiple times. Yeah, his first three attempts, I believe, at layup were all reverse layups underneath the rim, and he missed all three terribly. Yeah. Um, then finally, he got a little finger roll at the front of the rim. We can we can stick with that one instead. But honestly, overall, we shot pretty terribly as a team. You shoot 30% from three, which it felt like worse than that watching the game. I can't yeah. believe we even got to that number. Um, and 66% from the free throw line, which is pretty nuts because we've been shooting over 80% for the last two weeks. Yeah, we kind of went back into our early season ways. Bad uh, free throws and turnovers. Bad free throws. Well, turnovers weren't terrible in this game. Actually, Cassius Winston turned the ball over quite a bit for Michigan State, but he was able to make that up because, look, it wasn't just Winston. Uh, Xavier had a really big game. They had a few guys that had big games in this. But, look, when Cowan's having an off night – 
And you have a, a night like Ayala and Wiggins had combined shooting one of 11 from the field. You can't put that kind of pressure on sticks to carry the load. No, I mean, they, they both want to argue about who the sixth man is, but, I mean, they don't, aren't showing they're the eighth or ninth man with those kind of numbers. Right. Um, Jalen's got 20 points, 12 rebounds. Uh, it was pretty pretty great, but, you know, he, he's done better than that, and you can't he can't carry it by himself. No, no. And, I mean, look, this was probably one of the the tougher losses for the Terps this year just because at no point, were they in this game except for when it was zero to zero? And I think they might have pulled to to tie it up at like twenty to twenty or twenty three to twenty three early on in the game. But after that, it w- it was pretty much over for the Terps. Yeah, the only exciting thing I can remember from the game that really stood out and got us out of our seats, um, Cowan threw a bad uh, assist pass to uh, uh, Sticks too deep under the basket. And Sticks, instead of letting the turnover happen, which he was at the baseline, was somehow able to corral this ball and throw it back behind him um, to Dante Scott for a wide-open three that he drilled. Yeah. And that was pretty. That's going to be on highlight films for the rest of the year, even though the game was not a highlight. No, definitely <laughs> not. But I will say this. Look, two weeks prior, going up to East Lansing, I did not have the highest of expectations in that game. Uh, you know, but... The Terps were able to to do big things in this game. They jumped out early on Michigan State, uh, jumping out to a 15-point lead midway through the first before going cold at half, like going into the half, and then the first, like I'd say, eight or nine minutes of the second half. But, look, Terps were able to pull this one out. Yeah, they, they needed a lot of help from Anthony Cowan late, but uh, after Rocket Watts slapped the floor, there wasn't wasn't much to do from there. And I was waiting for that last night. I kept waiting for somebody to smack the damn floor. I know. I just kept yelling, Rocket, slap the floor. That's all we need. Somebody <laughs> to smack the floor. Oh, man. But, yeah, Anthony Cowan, like you said, led the charge down seven. Uh, the Terps run off the final 14 points in that game, including Cowan going three for three from three to win it. Uh, he had 24 points on five of nine from three overall. Big game. So it's it's a tale of two totally different games from Cowan in these in this series. Yeah, it was. And then uh, Cash's went to the same thing we already talked about. Uh, the ABC plan worked there. Yeah. Um. But it but they had Xavier Tillman to make up for it. Uh, he was huge that game, um, especially when Sticks went to the went to the bench for breathers. 18 points and 11 rebounds. Played really well. Yeah, Xavier. Xavier played good in both of these games. Uh, that's a kid that's going to be a problem for a lot of teams, especially come tournament time. Uh, so you got to you got to account for him. Well, you said it is almost tournament time, and it seems like their Big Ten is jamming in these games before tournament time. So we got a lot to cover. We do, we do. But you know what? We should take a little bit of a different approach here. I feel like we should kind of recap a few highlights from these different games because like a superlatives, maybe your number one complaint, number one praise for each game. I like it. I right. like it. So we'll take it back to uh, the first game of outside of the Spartan sandwich. Yeah, outside of the Spartan sandwich, right? Uh, Northwestern, a game that we ended up winning 76-67, but didn't go quite as planned. Yeah, I mean, the first half went really well. We got out to an 11-point lead pretty quickly. Uh, we were halfway to my predicted 25-point blowout, and it evaporated. <laughs> um, so, yeah, the first half went very well, and we pulled out the win. you got to get some gritty wins, so I can't complain there. My complaint comes in. It's another Tuesday night game where the stands are half empty. Nobody shows up for this game. Yeah. I don't know how in a two-week period you can have a game that's that empty 
and a game at Michigan State that's $270 a ticket and a packed house. It's just, to me, they're both Big Ten matchups. I know college game days there. I know that's big. And then that's a big part of the price difference. But I, it would have been just as packed without college game day there. It already sold out before that was announced. Right. So I just don't understand the... That, that crazy difference. Like, there's plenty of people living close enough to go see a game on a Tuesday night, be a little tired at work Wednesday morning, and support your Terps. I, I don't know. I don't need much sleep, so I'm a complainer here. But it's a shame because they missed a hell of a performance by Sticks. Sticks was one rebound away from a 2020 game in that game, had two steals and two blocks as well. Um, and then, you know, they had the return of local lacrosse star. Uh, the kid Spencer, Pat Spencer, yeah, um, local kid from Loyola. It's like basically the Jordan of lacrosse. <laughs> Jordan lacrosse. You know, funny thing, the last thing we'll talk about this game, but um, I was sitting here the other day. They did the 94 feet thing on college game day with Anthony McFarlane, and they asked asked him if you could play another sport other than basketball, what would it be? And he was like, oh, football, of course. Just kind of looked happy about it. Right. Could you see Anthony Cowan using that fifth-year option in a different sport and playing running back for the Terps because I would take it. His speed alone would be an awfully fun little Sproles action to look at. Yeah, Sproles <laughs> is be an accurate comparison as small as he is. Hey, I'm just saying, Anthony, if it doesn't work out at the next level right now with basketball, the the Terps are real short on running backs. I think we give you a look. Real short on quarterbacks too. Yeah, we saw him out there throwing passes to Anthony McFarland before the spring started. <laughs> I, don't, I don't know if we want him playing quarterback. It's I don't just, know. He can't see over Ellis McKinney, even though he's got no more. <laughs> Might not have much much other option. All right, and then moving on from that, after a big win against Northwestern in front of nobody, <laughs> we go on the road to Columbus to take on Ohio State. Also in uh, front of nobody. Yeah, in front of nobody to lose 79-72. This was a game I wasn't too disappointed in losing. Uh, look, it was another tough road game in the Big Ten against a good basketball team. And everything in this game that could have possibly gone right for Ohio State did. Yeah. They shot close to 50% from three. They absolutely dominated the offensive boards. They made 20 straight free throws, and the refs were in their back pocket. Absolutely. They called everything. They removed Sticks and Cowan from the game nearly immediately. Um, they were calling a crazy, crazy technical foul called on Anthony McFarlane just because he had been abused the entire game. They won't call anything, and he tells them to call the foul, and they – Pretend that he tried to kick somebody four times his size. Right. <laughs> now, and one thing in this game that I was kind of hoping I'd see, and we got a little bit, a, a chance to see a little bit. We, we got to see Chole come out, get some important minutes. We saw Hakeem Hart, who we had said last show that we haven't seen him in a while. So he's gotten some important minutes lately. Uh, I think these are important minutes moving forward as we get closer to the tourney time. Yeah, there's definitely been a little bit more development, especially in the the four or five spot uh, recently. Um, and you know, you got you got people like Lindo that we thought were gonna be much bigger parts finally getting on the court. Yeah, and uh, Tamayich, you know, physically he looks like he should be able to do it. I, he just needs to put it together. Right, like, it, he looks like he should be able to hang with these guys and give us some quality minutes. And then moving on to the next game in Minnesota. Welcome to Minnesota. Thanks for coming. <laughs> A game that we ended up pulling out late, uh, 74-73 to 73 on a big, big-time three-point shot. Like I said earlier, Daryl Morsell's biggest shot as a Terp. 
Yeah, so the, you know you can't talk about this game without going into the aftermath of the Ohio State game. So after the Ohio State game, Turge was probably a little bit more vocal than he should have been about how bad the refs were. Yeah, he was probably a little bit more vocal than he should have been about the abusive nature of uh, Ohio State's big man Caleb Wesson during the game. Um, yeah, it's and, pretty funny the banter that's been going back and forth between their head coach and Mark Turgeon now. Yeah, it's, it's like it's like schoolgirls right now, you know. <laughs> right. So. If Ket Turgeon talks about how he got, was bullying sticks and the Ohio State coach comes to his player's defense that he's not a bully, he's just bigger, and they pick on my kid because he's bigger. Right. And, and then and then, the, then he's complaining about 9 p.m. tip-offs at the end of this yes. Minnesota game. And the Turgeon, guy, <laughs> Turgeon com- complains about a 9 p.m. tip and the fact that he's not going to get back to his driveway until 4.30 in the morning. Right. Well, then the Big Ten goes and removes the engine from his plane. <laughs> and they don't they're all they're having plane issues and Turgeon's apologizing in the post game press conference I shouldn't have said anything now we're having plane issues apparently they were there till like the next afternoon have just I just stuck been in Minnesota have I just been this naive and not paid enough attention to the Mark- Big Ten Mafia Oh, no, Mark Turgeon's <laughs> post-game comments. Because no. lately, between all of these comments and then about game day, yeah, he's like, eh, if I didn't have to be there, probably wouldn't be. Yeah, but, but I'll show up because it's good for our program. Right, like yeah. that's something you think. Don't, you don't say you it. Think it. Hey, he's oh, he turned into an old man in the last two weeks. Something like, happened. He's he's starting to get that stressfulness where he's like, I had a great season, but nobody cares if March isn't isn't good. And he's like, just straight angry old man, get off my yard right now. Right. Um. So then the Ohio State coach comes back saying he's really really happy with his next game, and that's really excited to have a 9 p.m. tip. Just little. <laughs> Little catty jab. He didn't yeah. even mention Turgeon's name, but everyone knows what you're talking about. Oh, it's like, hilarious. Come on, guys. Move on. We're yeah, done. We're it's done. Hilarious. But in this Minnesota game, though, man, just as much as it as it was in the Ohio State game, Minnesota could not miss in this game, starting the game 6-7 from 3. Yeah, but the other thing that came, held over from the Ohio State game is that because Turgeon talked trash, the refs were going to punish him for talking about him. Yeah, as they get <laughs> Cowan with a ticky-tack tech foul in the beginning of this game for slapping the court. Now, I think this comes and off the slapping heels. Slapping is an exaggeration. His hand was all that moved. It wasn't moving an arm. He just was slapped. Yeah, right. <laughs> And what this does come off the heels of him getting a, a tech at the end of the Ohio State game, throwing a little temper tantrum on the floor and kicking his feet out, and he yeah. got a tech then. I don't got know if they were just trying to come in and, and set the tone early, but uh, yeah. I've never seen so many technical fouls as I have over the last like couple of weeks of yeah, basketball. These, these refs are soft. They're emotional creatures. You can't be doing that when this is your job. Right. Then you also got two fouls right off the back against Sticks, again putting him on the bench. And Minnesota's just pulling away. And since you watched us lose a game just like this the game before, it was emotional torture sitting on that couch trying to watch that game. It really was. Uh, my wife said it's taken years off her life, and she wished we had another TV because the first game of the year she didn't want to watch. And she's been really into these Terps this year. Only time will show. Only time will show. Only time will show. All right, man. So let's talk a little bit about the next two games, the last two games of the regular season before we get into the Big Ten tournament. And as I said earlier, Terps control their own destiny. I hate saying it, but it's the truth. We win these two games. There's nothing anybody else can do about it. That's right. we got to help them out if we're going to lose. So let's not help them out. But it's one <laughs> game at a time, right? One game at a time. We're bouncing back after a tough loss to Michigan State. 
But it starts this Tuesday, 7 o'clock at the Rec. Yeah, tough road matchup. Rutgers, like us now, unfortunately, has only one loss at home this year, and it is their senior night. Yeah. yeah. Luckily, only one senior on their main rotation, Yaboa, 6'6", 230. He's averaging about 10 and 5. Yeah, that's... um. They do have uh, Shaq Carter, 6'9", 250, is the next senior down the depth chart, but he's only getting about 12 minutes per game. He puts up about seven points and pulls down about three rebounds a game uh, versus the Terps. Yeah, they, they, like I said, we talked about them previously when we played them. They're not a team full of stars, but they've got a good rotation of players, and it can really be anybody's given night to take over for that team. Now, they do have... A veteran in Ron Harper Jr., who is the son of former NBA guard Ron Harper. Uh, he's got the prototypical NBA guard size. He's actually a pretty big, big size guard. Um, that will be a tough matchup for Daryl Morsell, who I think will probably keen in on him. And then you also have G- Geo Baker. Both of them have scored under their average against the Terps earlier on in the year. Uh, but I think that they're going to be looking to a bounce back in this game, especially in an important game like this. Yeah, hopefully we'll be able to reproduce that result and hold them under their season average again. We talked about Rutgers only having a one loss at home. Well, that was against our final opponent of the regular season. Michigan. Michigan, 18-10, 7th in the conference currently. Yeah, we got to worry about their two big stars, Isaiah Livers and Jeff Simpson. Jeff? Who the hell's Jeff? Oh, that's what he told the cops his name was. We oh, Jesus. <laughs> we can't talk about this game without talking about the best cover-up of the year. Um, Xavier Simpson, their number one guard, was found walking on the side of the road near an empty vehicle crash at 3 a.m. Hello. Whose car is this? Yours? No, this is my car. I was just, just walking and I see it. Huh? Whose is it? I'm not sure, but the kid ran down the block there. I was walking the E-Squad. So he's basically saying he's standing next to this car, and it's not his, but it's some guy that just ran down the block. Yeah, and there's, mind you, there's a foot of snow on the ground. Yeah. It's 3 a.m., and he's just hanging out. Just for, hanging out. For whatever reason. So he then went Good further. Smart, not only, in my opinion, um, lying that, that he was just walking by, but also certainly lied about his name. First name? Jeff. Huh? Jeff. <laughs> Middle name? Jackson. What's your last name? Uh, Simpson. Like the basketball player? Yeah. Simpson? Yeah. <laughs> Jeff Jackson Simpson. Yeah, and, and how did he, uh, the only real name he gave him, uh, my last name, Simpson. Uh, I couldn't think of another last name, so he <laughs> yeah. just gave him his own. <laughs> After lying to the police about his name and stating that he was not in the vehicle, uh, the police documented that he was stumbling at the scene, but they did not smell alcohol, and they did not run a field sobriety test. Um, he was not charged with any crime and released. Seems like a small town police issue that you just wouldn't get away with in College Park, uh, but it kind of gets crazier after that. Um, after the police leave to run his fake, er, his fake ID they were giving him, the cop already smelled bullshit when you heard him say the basketball player. Yeah, he was Googling him in the car. <laughs> yeah, he IDs him on Google with a little image search. He returns, and you can hear Xavier state, what does coach say while he's on his cell phone before hanging up? That's when the story changes again. I was in the score, like, not, not 
in the past hour, but I was in this car today. Dude, if, if you were in the car, it doesn't matter. As long as you weren't the driver, it don't matter. I know you ain't sitting up in the front seat. You're taller than I am. And I wouldn't even, I wouldn't even be okay. sitting in the yeah. car. So I know you're not driving. So I'm just saying. I feel like this is OJ all over again. Yeah, this small town cop is not playing police officer. He's playing defense attorney. If the seat does not fit, you must acquit. <laughs> Dude, that seat slides back and forth. How is that a defense for this? Yeah. Uh, and, and again, he's already contradicting himself here, so just further lies. Turns out this vehicle is registered to the AD's wife. Um, also, the friend that he mentioned, the AD's son, uh, now it seems like is a legal and an NCAA issue. The NCA problem seems to get even worse with this next statement by Xavier. I don't know because he lets anyone use his car from anyone on the basketball team, from the baseball team. <sighs> All right. Like, this is not like a car that... Where where can I find Evan at? Where would he be at right now? You can almost hear the, the police officer sigh like, dude, you're just digging yourself a deeper <laughs> hole here. You're just so bad at this lying. Yeah. You're just, you know what I mean? I... It, Obviously, a benefit car based from the AD. The AD is giving this car away for his student athletes, um, hidden in his son's fake job of being a basketball <laughs> manager. Uh, turns out the issue um, wasn't an issue at all, apparently, because he was only suspended for one game, supposedly not for any legal issues, just that he broke curfew violations, and the whole story just evaporated. I only heard this on a, about 30 seconds on the D.C. Uh, Coaches podcast, or I wouldn't know about it. I mean, you follow sports rather closely. Yeah. Well, I got to ask you that. I mean, I don't know. I think I play the other side here. I, what do you expect? What would you have expected to happen out of this? Like, what more would you have rather seen? Um, I think that he should have a field sobriety test, obviously. I think that he should have, could or should have been charged with the DUI or the obstruction of justice or the you know, whatever thing you can throw at him, which is the, a lot. The field sobriety thing, though, we'll start with that, right? There was no evidence that he was driving the vehicle, right? <laughs> so the so, police, if you listen to the police, both police officers knew he was in that vehicle. They, the guy was saying, if this isn't his car, why is he still here? Why isn't he leaving? We haven't, we didn't tell I him I agree. Like, there's, there's a lot but, of question marks, but to just randomly field sobriety somebody. Look, there were two other people, and you didn't hear this in the video clip. There were two other people on the scene that were quote-unquote walking by, standing there with Xavier when this whole thing, when the officers first approached. He just let those people leave. They said they weren't involved. They were just walking by. He just let them go. You never heard from them again. Yeah, they literally were walking up when the police officer got there and continued to walk down the same sidewalk like he would have done if he wasn't in this car. I get that. I get that. I'm just like I said, I'm trying to play the other side of it here because when I watched the video, and I watched the video a couple times, he didn't look to me like he was stumbling. He sounded, He was definitely lying. He lied multiple times. Yeah, he said, I'm not sure whose car this was. I just walked up and I saw the guy running down the block. Then later he says, I stopped because I saw the 
uh, I think he said Yukon stickers on yeah. the back, so I knew it was That's my how buddy's he knew car. Who it was. Even though he said he did had no idea whose car it was to start with, my yeah. man was lying in circles the whole time. He was, he and on was. top of this legal issue, which okay, that like gets let go. I understand that happens all the time. We've already talked about you know other schools, Florida, this, that, and the other, where police let pe- these kids go because they're basically gods in that area. This is an NCAA violation, a huge one that should be investigated. Why is the AD's wife's car being used by any athlete that wants it? Okay, that that might be a, an issue in itself, but I don't think anything more should have happened to Xavier than what happened to Xavier. How is he still playing basketball while they're investigating an NCAA violation but that he is a part of? They're not investigating it right now. That's the problem is they're not investigating it. That's the whole issue. Okay. <laughs> I don't, I don't know. I mean, it's 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 a car used. It's, it's no different than me allowing you to use a car to drive around in. My insurance will cover you to drive the car as long as you give the okay. You have the authority. It's not a. It's. I understand what you're talking about with like college privileges and all that kind of stuff and things that happen on a daily basis across the country on college yeah. campuses that players are given special treatment. I understand it happens, and I know this isn't the only school doing it, but when you're literally reporting to a police officer that it's happening and a video comes out that it's happening, if we're going to say these stupid rules, which I think they are stupid, I think it's I think players should be able to benefit from their own um, you know, person. They should be able to sign autographs for money. They should be able to do endorsement deals. But right now, you're not allowed to. And right now, you're certainly not allowed to be given a, a vehicle, which I'm You're cert- not given a vehicle. If it's registered to somebody else and they're just using it as a shuttle, basically, for players, like letting players use it as they freely, as they want freely, that's, there's nothing against the law True, with but that. I need proof of that because I believe that this was a car bought by the AD for this kid, and that's what should have been investigated. If it is a car that actually his son uses sometimes, which I can't imagine, or a car that every athlete has had access to, it is a lesser NCAA violation than I bought this high-profile athlete this car but registered it to my wife. That's a whole different thing. There's a lot of assumptions in that. There, I'm just saying it's worth an investigation when this happens. Okay. Like that's that that's my thing is that they did nothing. They didn't and they got rid of it. How did we not hear about this? This happened right. January 26th. This is not a new story. I'm sure this is a new story for most of the people listening to this because it was a new story for you and me yeah. who closely follow this. Right. Uh, it, it's it's crazy. It's crazy that this just disappeared. Yeah. Because we had to talk about a regular DUI incident for two of our players that were immediately suspended and haven't returned to football program yet, and it was just a DUI. It wasn't that Damon Evans' car was involved. It wasn't that the coach had paid off, you know, had given him advice on what to say to the police. It was just one player's individual actions is all we know about. There could be other things, but there's nothing that's came out about those. Right. No, so I, listen, should be I, I agree with you. And this kind of thing sadly happens again across the country with, with all sorts of universities and much worse. Much worse things happen that get swept under oh, the yeah, rug. The whole Penn State some thing. Money dropping off all kinds of places. Yeah, I mean, like, just things like this happen all the time. Um, but look, let's let's get a little bit back to the let's basketball. Get back to the hardwood and not the 3 a.m. car crash. Yeah, that's right. Because, uh, look, Michigan's going to be a tough test, too. They've got another big guy in John Test, senior center, 7'1", 265. 
he's going to be a lot for Sticks to handle down low and will be a big test to keep Sticks out of foul trouble. Yeah, the only thing lucky here is with that big frame, uh, John Teske does not play anywhere near the minute Sticks does, so he will get a little reprieve from that big body leaning on him. Yeah, uh, they've got they've got a pretty good balanced attack. They've got five players in double-figure averages on the year. I mean, as a whole, this team shoots three well, about 34% from deep for as a team for the year. So, again, this is a team that can spread the ball around, and it can be anybody any given night. Yeah, and one of the most impressive stats I saw, do not foul livers. An incredible 39 for 41 from the charity stripe, 95%. Wow. He's also accurate farther back, over 44% from three. Uh, on the other hand, if we need a little hack-a-shack moment, Jeff... I mean, Xavier Simpson is a horrible 60% free throw shooter. Uh, so that's that, that could be a little comeback moment if we need it. <laughs> Get a little jab in there with him, too. Yeah. I, 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 if anyone has the control over this, this is our final home game. Every player announcement comes out. They say their name and sucks. That's the Maryland tradition here. Somebody please make them yell Jeff. Please to Xavier Simpson, <laughs> Jeff. You know it's going to happen. <laughs> I great. need it. I need sucks to be Jeff. Just move it. He will lose it. Oh, it would be hilarious. <laughs> All right, so I got to ask you then, like I said, we got these two games left, one on the road at Rutgers, one at home against Michigan. How do you see these two games playing out? <sighs> we got to win, right? We yeah. got to win. Uh, I don't know, man. I think that, that Anthony Cowan will not lose on senior night, so I'm feeling very confident in the Michigan game. I'm scared of the Rutgers game being the reason that we end up either sharing or losing the Big Ten regular season title. Um, that's, I think we win both, but I, if we if if we end up not get winning both, it's the Rutgers game for me. Okay, I, I, I'm right there with you. Uh, I'm going to say we're going to win both. I just I think this team's got the right mentality. They're not going to let this loss to Michigan State hold them back. They're going to go back on the road handle business against Rutgers, come home, and as you said, on senior night, I expect Anthony Cowan to go out on a high note. Shake this funk off. <laughs> yeah, sh yeah, shake this little rough patch that he's going through right now. Um, and then hopefully Ayala and Wiggins can get back on track because Wiggins was shooting really well early on uh, for these last couple of weeks. But this last game, you know, him and, him and Ayala combined one of 11. That's got to change if this team wants to win. They certainly need to perform better up to their standards. Uh, Dante Scott's been playing really well. The player that he is now versus the player that he was a month or two ago, two totally different people. He's he's in his sophomore year already, apparently. If I was giving a most improved player award midseason right Not now. Not even close. Right. Dante Scott's run away. 100% be him. Yep. Um, so, yeah, I mean, look, there's... There's bright spots. There's bright spots. There's low spots. But at the end of the day, I got faith in this team. I think we're gonna we're gonna pull it off. I think we'll go deep into the Big Ten tournament, which we'll talk about that in our next show. Kind of see where we lie as far as the double buy. Hopefully, we get that and we lock that up. I don't think that's gonna be a problem. Yeah, even. the double buy seems to be pretty well locked, but it's a log jam at the top, so who knows what happens? Yeah. <laughs> so I, I actually put a post out earlier on Twitter about this live stream. And I just wanted to see if anybody had any questions or anything that's specific that they wanted us to talk about. And uh, one of the fans of the show, Matt, had chimed in, and he wanted to ask you, how good really is the Big Ten? Yeah, so Big Ten, how good they are is very difficult to look at because, like you said, you're beating each other up. The ACC is now beating each other up. So you really have to look at your record versus other conferences, which is a really deep dive. So i got to give credit where I found this information. Uh, 
So Andy Whitry on NCAA.com actually looked at all 2,424 interconference games. So that's where I'm pulling these stats from. I didn't do all the research. Yeah. I'm not going to take all the credit. <laughs> <laughs> so the point, I only pulled the top two points from his article here. Point one um, is the win percentage of these of conferences uh, against other conferences. So the Big East leads all at 80%. Um, ahead of the Big 12 at 76.5, Big 10 in third place at 75.7. Why I think we're better than third place is because against the top six people that he has listed there, we have a um, only losing record against one of them and a combined record of 34 and 24 against those top winning percentage programs or uh, conferences. So you're, you're beating the best of the best at a pretty regular clip. Yeah, I I don't know how you would actually put rankings on best conferences as a whole, but I would put the Big Ten up against anybody. I personally think they'll have the most teams in the tournament. I think they're going to have 10 when all said and done. I know we talked about maybe potentially having up to 12, but it doesn't look like it's going to shake out that way. I do think that they'll end up having 10. Uh, But look, this is a conference that goes against itself all year long. They're battle-tested against some of the best teams in their own conference. I think they'll be the most ready come tournament time. Yeah, I mean, you'll see multiple Big Ten teams in the Sweet 16, I would imagine. You yeah. know, it's, it's, it, they're going to be well-represented in March. Um, as far as going against these conferences, we have a winning record against all but two conferences. The Pac-12, uh, we are 2-3, and three, and we are 0-2 oh against the Mountain West. Um, but the Mountain West included San Diego State, who's obviously going to probably be a one, if not two, seat if something terrible happens. Right. Uh, so that's not a bad loss. And New Mexico somehow beat Wisconsin some point this year. Yeah. And, and you know, the other thing for me, and I, I think that puts the Big Ten in another class versus everybody else, is we have some of the best big men in the entire country in this conference. Without a doubt. Every week. How do you... <laughs> And, and you know, for me, I'm a big guy. Like, I, I like big men, and I think second-chance opportunities is ultimately what gets you wins when it comes to, like, stiff competition. It comes to close games. Uh, and when you've got, I mean, at least six or seven of the best big men in the country in your conference, I think that bodes very well for the Big Ten. Yeah, no days off. All matchups are hard, and it's going to really pay pay dividends, I think. But again, this is all just your opinion. It's really hard to do conference versus conference because you're looking at so many things. But this was the best way I had seen it breaking down. Um, if anybody is interested in the article, we'll, we'll tweet it out this week, too. Um, keep your eyes out for that. You know, and another thing we can't go without mentioning has got to be next year's incoming recruiting class, 2020-2021 class coming in. So far, hasn't been very impressive. We only had one commit going into uh, the last couple of weeks, but we did have one recently commit, a three-star guard out of Illinois, combo guard, 6'3", 200 pounds, Aquan Smart. Yeah, Aquan Smart, not super heavily committed, but he uh, did have some interest from Texas A&M, uh, Illinois. Uh, so he got a couple good programs looking at him. Good defensive tools, good length and quickness. Uh, we, we'll need more than him added next year to keep yeah. us good, but it, it's a good piece to bring him. Yeah, especially if we're going to be losing a Jalen Smith to the NBA. Pretty much um, sure, I think, at this point. Yeah, so, I mean, we're going to need the extra size, so I'm assuming – Turgeon's going to be pulling a rabbit out of his hat and trying to get some JUCO transfers in like he did with Robert Carter and some of these other guys in previous Grad transfer market, yeah. Try to bring somebody, a a grown man in for that last year. Right. 
All right, man. Well, let's let's transition a little over to football. We haven't talked much football in a while. Um, I guess we'll start uh, before we get into the combine because that's what you know the hot story is right now. Really, with the football squad is some of the former Terps making their mark at the combine. Uh, the football squad's kind of kind of light at the quarterback position right now, as not only did they lose Piggy, but and I think one of the biggest offseason losses, Tyler DeSue decides to retire from football. Yeah, we were already talking last episode about how thin they were at quarterback with Tyler DeSue in the folds, yeah. that you might need a linebacker playing quarterback. Now you're down to two. You have two quarterbacks. Uh, that, that We use two quarterbacks in almost every game. <laughs> you know, we um, definitely need to bring somebody in there. Uh, you've got a couple grad transfers that we'd be looking out for, but... Um, nothing on the horizon, no news, no hints, no nothing. Yeah, but just for it to be a, a retirement from football, just kind of, I don't know, it kind of struck me, man. It, 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 I did not see this coming at all. If, if I would have seen another transfer, another portal transfer, I could have almost like been okay with that and been like, oh, well, you know, maybe somebody else is coming in and he's, you know, wanting to get playing time at a smaller college or whatever it may be. But to see him retire from football altogether. I hope he's making the right decision for him. Yeah, I mean, I heard on 105.7 The Fan talking about how he kind of was losing motivation for the sport, that he wasn't really, you know, into it. Even from his senior year of high school, he'd kind of been uh, interested in other things, other sports and stuff. And then from our uh, inside source with the team, had also heard that he had an elbow injury he was trying to rehab from that I hadn't seen anywhere. Um, and I think just the rehab was the final straw. He didn't, he didn't want to fight back through that and decide that he had other things to focus on, whether it be academics or... You know, whatever he is, he is going on in his future, he deserves to make the right decision for him. Yeah, well, we wish him nothing but the best. Uh, like I said, at least we were, we were big fans. We, we were. Were, hope, were hopeful. Yeah, what we saw in that spring game last year obviously left the mark on us because we've been big, big Tyler DeSue fans since uh, since that game. Yeah. But nonetheless, two, <laughs> two remaining quarterbacks on the roster. Okay. I'm hoping we get somebody to transfer in here soon to make me feel a little bit more Okay, but, with the depth. but as far as the spring game, we already know who the starters are because no matter who's transferring in, they're not coming this semester. So yeah. you have two quarterbacks and two quarterbacks only for your spring game, right? And one quarterback obviously has some struggles of his own mentally. I think you know it gets into his head. I think he's got some anxiety issues personally, and I know we've seen some articles about that written about him. So uh, I'm hoping, I'm hoping Locks has got something in the works, a plan to bring in another guy or two to compete. Uh, but look, it's the Lancel John show. Let's go, baby. Yeah. Hopefully he can stay healthy. Uh, but we did get another commitment for the 2021 class, a wide receiver, tight end husbands, six, three, 207 pounds. Another local kid out of Archbishop Carroll in DC. Yeah. This kid's a, a tight end, uh, but they use him in the slot a lot. And at that, that weight, he's most likely to be more of a wide receiver for us, unless he really blossoms in his senior year. Um, he had interest from Indiana, WVU, Temple, Purdue, so definitely um, better than the the three star uh, title. Yeah, this this recruitment class is getting some pretty big national notoriety right now. I mean, they're ranked ninth 
overall in the country. Now, we know that that could potentially change and will change as we get closer to that class, but ninth is pretty damn impressive. Yeah, and it's definitely bumped up by the pure numbers that we have signed right now, or not signed, but committed right now. The other thing, schools that will jump us when they start getting higher recruited guys than we have. Right. But, you know, Caleb Williams throws his name on that list. We're the number one team in the country right now. That guy is just teasing teams out there right now on social media. have no idea which way he's going to go. Uh, but a couple of guys that we do know which way they're going, uh, they're going to the NFL. It's a matter of where they go in the NFL. Uh, that's the big question or mark. Or basically 40 numbers if they go. <laughs> yeah, right. Uh, so we'll start there then. Uh, we'll start with the two running backs, and we'll start with your guy first, Javon Leak. Javon Leak, and I watched the combine. I know you didn't get a chance to watch it. I sent you some video clips and whatnot of what I saw. This is a kid that put on the tape – and he runs away from guys. I mean, countless amount of times in, you know. Yep, never seen him caught from behind. Never seen him caught from behind. Um, great acceleration, great explosion. Spin when moves you watch, for days. When you watch tape. <laughs> but when I watch this 40-yard dash, I mean, he looked stiff. He ran upright. It was almost, to me, it looked like he had never run a 40-yard dash in his <laughs> life. And the numbers support that his first run 4.65 his second run which i didn't think would get much worse than that 4.75 one of the slowest at the running back position at the combine i hope it doesn't cost me any money because me and fred had some money on this that leak was gonna get (laughs) drafted before mcfarland and mcfarland's numbers look a lot better he had 145 career rushing attempts at the at maryland Averaging 7.9 yards per carry and 17 touchdowns. Again, this kid was a playmaker. An absolute playmaker. And fun to watch. So much fun to watch. But when you put up numbers like that, he only had a 34-inch vertical, which was at the bottom half of the position, too. Um, I don't know, man. It just it, it kind of left me scratching my head. I just did not see that coming from him. Yeah, I, I, I don't didn't see it coming at all. I, I hope I hope somebody looks through that tape and realizes they actually got a stud and he gets a shot and proves everybody wrong. Now, Anthony McFarland, he put up the numbers I expected, and he looked the part as to what, do I, what I expected. He ran a 4-4-4-40 and a 4-5-1-40 in his two shots. Uh, and, look, this kid has a track background. He ran track in high school. You could tell that he's been through this before. You could tell he's been coached on it. Uh, he looked very smooth, great burst, great acceleration through some of the drills that he ran. I think Anthony McFarland helped his draft stock at the Combine. Yeah, he did. The big question with uh, if with Cowan is with the size, and that's why other NFL teams have asked him to um, work out at the wide receiver position too because they're just trying to find a spot. They know he's – a talent. They know he's got skills, and they got to find somewhere to put him. It's going to be a running back. It's, he, it's not for debate. Like, he, listen. he agreed that he would work out with the wide receivers. Yeah, go ahead and work out. Show him what you can do. But he's going to be a running back. Ask Tariq Cohen at 5'6", how he's doing with the Bears. Ask Darren Sproles for, at 5'6", how he's done throughout his career. Ask Devontae Freeman at 5'8", how he's done. And ask Alvin Kamara at 5'8", how he's done. Alvin Kamara is my NFL comparison with Anthony McFarlane. I'm not saying he's going to be able to put up the same statistics because he's not going to be with Drew Brees, and I think Drew Brees has a lot to do with the amount of yardage that Alvin Kamara gets out in space. Which we proved this year with Drew Brees on the bench and Alvin Kamara kind of yeah. fading into the background. Exactly. But... 
there's a place for Alvin Kamara in the NFL with the right quarterback and the right system. And I think Anthony McFarland, drafted by the right team in that same type of situation, can be that kind of back. And I really hope so. But there's for every little guy that's dominating the NFL, there's a bunch of other people that dominated in college and and disappeared. I think Noel Devine from from WVU yeah. back in the day. Oh God, you know, his the, high school highlights uh, were insane. Best person in the country, right? Where yeah. is he? What what happened? You know? Same thing with Tavon Austin. Yep, Tavon Austin. Big time WVU guy that just hasn't really shuck it out much in the NFL. But no, I get it. I understand the concerns about the size and all, but there are plenty of running backs I, in the league. And I know that Anthony McFarlane was hurt this year and he played hurt most of it. But just far as what I saw from Javon Leak and Anthony McFarlane on the field this year, if I had to pick a back, I'm picking Leak. Right. Like it just it just looked better. But again, Leak wasn't playing as busted up as as McFarland was. So hopefully at full strength, they both do great, and they go play each other in a Super Bowl someday. And then the last of our trio of Terps at the Combine, safety Antoine Brooks. This is a kid that started climbing up the draft board, and I think a lot of people think that this guy could be the first Terp off the board altogether. Uh, didn't have the most impressive Combine. 4.6440 at the combine. Not terrible, but yeah, not what you're looking for. Yeah, closer to the bottom than the top. Uh, he also had a pretty pedestrian uh, vertical at 34 and a half inch vertical. Only bench pressed 18 reps of 225. So these numbers, again, it's a combine. I don't put a ton of weight on combine numbers, but it's a tool. It's something that they use for evaluation. They do it for a reason. Um, and, and look, Brooks is going to be more of that box safety guy, right? He's going to yeah, play a run stopper. He's going to well. play closer to the line of scrimmage. He's going to stop the run. Uh, he's not going to be that rangy free safety. So he doesn't have to have that, you know, top end acceleration speed, but yeah. I still think he'll be a mid round pick. I still think he'll be in that, like maybe low third, high fourth round pick. It's just kind of where I see him falling right now. I know the Jets have been pretty high on him as well. Yeah, and I just kind of feel bad for the guy. You know, Anthony McFarland had his injury issues. Well, Antoine Brooks wasn't his injury issues. It was everybody else's injury issues. He was yeah. forced into doing things that he's just not supposed to do. He was like our number one corner at one point. Like, that's not – he's the number one cover guy, you know what I mean? Like, that's not his game. His game is being that – you know, safety that can come lay the lay the hit on the on the uh, running back, the secondary help, the like ball hawking when somebody else is there. Like I compare Antoine it. Brooks a lot to Tony Jefferson. I think they're very similar uh, in their style of play, their overall size, and what they can do on a football field. I don't think Antoine Brooks is going to light the world on fire in the NFL, but I think he can be a competitive everyday player. Yeah, and as well as Darnell Savage did last this first year with uh, Green Bay. Hopefully that. Helps people look at his uh, teammate. Yeah. Well, we appreciate you guys tuning in, as always. Uh, thank you for those that did comment uh, and give us some love on social media with all the game day experiences. We had a lot of fun with that. Uh, hopefully, they'll be bringing that back again next year. I'd love to see college game day here for another <laughs> another year in a row. Maybe not 15, 15 years. years. Yeah, right. But appreciate you guys tuning in as always. Look, if you've got any questions or anything that you want to hear us talk about, send them to us at our email at shellandtellpod at gmail.com. You can always hit us up on our social media. Follow us on Facebook at shellandtellpod. You can follow us on Twitter. You can follow Ryan at TerpsBespert. Follow me at FredBLBS. Or follow us to Shell and Tell page at shellandtellpod. 
You can check out all the audio podcasts on our website at birdlandbs.com at Shell and Tell, uh, or find it on Apple Podcasts, Google Play, Spotify, and more. As we talked about, we're going to be launching this pre-recorded episodes on Periscope every week, and our and Ryan and I will be monitoring comments and questions live. So we will be in the stream live to be able to answer your questions. Hopefully, that worked well with this episode. We shall see. Uh, fun as always, and most likely it'll be a quicker turnaround to the next episode with postseason basketball upon us and everything. So we're looking forward to the Big Ten tournament. Ryan, sign us out. Yeah, well, we're running out of QBs in basketball, and the regular season comes to an end. Need all the luck and health we can get. So here's to next time. Wishing all is well under the show. <laughs>